This is Star Trek Subspace Transmissions from We Were Gamers, a subpod of the popular earth-shatteringly uh nope, mm-mm, can't get that far. I mean it is, you know, clearly a important thing. Yeah. So, yeah. We know. We know. Hi. Hey, hey JJ. Hey Andrew, how's it going, man? Um I enjoyed watching these because some days are tougher than others, and some days when you get to the end of them, if you watch something as ridiculous as what we've seen here, you can't help but smile a little bit. These last three episodes, we're talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 2 here. We watched the final three episodes, 12, 12. 13, and 14. Mm-hmm. These were some episodes. Does this... When I say I love Star Trek, I often take that to include a lot of things that people don't like. Like, I like Enterprise quite a bit. Um, I don't... I don't know if these episodes fall in the vein, but they might for me. I'm still processing them. It's so much happens. <laughs> I think they fit an entire season's worth of story into the last two episodes. They sure did. You might say that it Seems like they thought they were getting canceled and they had to wrap it up. <laughs> One thought I had here is we've talked and it it feels really good to be vindicated all the way since the beginning. I remember having the discussion after we saw the beginnings of the Klingon War in season one and then the discovery dips into a weird four episode arc of like monster of the week with the um harry mud and mm-hmm. a couple other episodes there and you and i were like this is weird i wonder if this is gonna stay and then towards the end of that season the same thing happens where uh they go to the terran alternate universe we've been talking since then about the confusion of what discovery wants to be is it a narrative show is it not a narrative show how many structures are going to stay narrative structures and it feels good to be vindicated even at the end of season two here where we were like oh maybe they've kind of figured out this kind of pace maybe they're maybe they've got what they're gonna nope no nope (laughs) wow we um I guess up the front, did you like it or not like it? The whole thing or... Take it... Just these ones. We'll do the whole thing at the end. These three. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I... I liked... You couldn't help but like some of it. I think that it is... I actually like really enjoyed some of the like dumber aspects of it but i think whoever is in charge if they will just please listen to me because obviously i know what's right right uh 
can they please just stop needing to have a 10 billion little tiny fighting vehicles all the time? This isn't Star Wars, dude. There aren't any X-Wings here. You don't need to have 700 ships flying around the ship shooting each other all the time. That isn't what happens in Star Trek. Don't do it. You could have just had a standoff without 8 million little swarmy ships all the time. No, they had to do that for no reason. That made no sense. Also, where did any of it come from? Yeah, I had a lot of comments on that. That's my, that is the thing that annoyed me about all of those last, that last part. And it kind of like, it, it throws me out of what could have been a cool ship battle because they have to make a giant space star. It, it, like they're trying to make a Star Wars style fight with like people in fighter jets when there are no fighter jet equivalents in the Star Trek universe. I have a theory about all that. We'll get to it. I completely agree with you. But overall, like the the arc of the stuff that they do is a like the thing that happens in these three episodes is a Star Trek kind of story, right? They have this problem. They need to go do a Star Trek thing by building this magical MacGuffin. And then somehow it leads them on a cool time adventure or whatever. That's a Star Trek thing. Like, I liked that part. There was even some, like, really great scenes between Spock and Burnham. And Burnham and Pike. And Pike and the Admiral. And a bunch of people. And, and like, it was really good, that part. But then it kept going back to the stuff that made no sense and annoyed me. And so I... I enjoyed watching this. I don't know I can recommend anyone else watch this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think you have to be... Like, you have, this is the last... If, if you're all the way in on Star Trek stuff, this is the last one that you have to see. <laughs> I agree, yeah. If you're... This, this with three episodes really tests your mettle of whether you'll be back to watch season three and whether you enjoyed... Whether you enjoy Star Trek enough to be like, okay, there's good here. Yeah. I definitely liked some of it. Right. I don't know that I liked all of it. So let's get started. Um, Episode 12. Yeah. There is a signal that comes over the Klingon planet of Boreth, where... The son of, I forget her character's name. Laurel, Laurel. Invoke. Laurel Invoke. Uh, which originally we were only told was a land of monks. But JJ, Not wrong. the monks protect the darkest secret in the entire universe. And it's amazing how much time and many times... The universe has been in this, the hands of this crew. Yeah. I, this is the temple of plot devices here. We had to go to the temple of plot devices to get the plot device. They have time crystals. So many time crystals. Crystals everywhere. Crystals coming out of their ears. But you don't understand the mystery of the crystals. I mean, it seemed pretty easy to understand. I feel the, like uh, 
they didn't do a good job of guarding them, you know. They uh they used them to grow trees, apparently. That was a cool, like, special effect. Yeah. Watch the tree grow like at hyper speed or whatever. Like that was kinda kinda interesting. He used a key to open a door in the, even though he said some sort of mysterious phrase. You know, it's a temple. They got like religious practices or whatever. You gotta you gotta say the say the phrase three times when you pass by the altar or whatever. Yeah, sure, okay. Anyway, so we start out Voke Lorel and Pike are all discussing why they need a time crystal. Obviously that's what they must be here for because the signal pointed them at the planet. Right. I have no idea why they think they need a time crystal. I have no idea how they came to the conclusion they needed a time crystal. And I have no idea why they have to go to the planet to get a time crystal. They just settled on they needed a crystal because. Yeah, I think that's the thing that that is weird here, right? Like they go to this planet and they're like, we got to get this time crystal. Wait, why? They don't know the stuff they know or... Tr- they're not trying to do the thing they start trying to do in the next couple episodes. Like they haven't come to that plan yet. So why do they need this crystal? Because signal pointed us here. The I signal don't... pointed us here. Let's go like break a treaty with the Klingons and get their most precious resource yep. and yep. do a bunch like mm-hmm. why like the again, crystal pointed the part... us here and then and then and then we have an argument about who's going to the planet. Why is anyone going to the planet? Yeah. We don't start off on good footing in episode 12 much at all here. And get- like, even if, you know, it, like, you know, it's been a while since we watched episode 11, but I I don't remember what they were doing at the end of episode 11. It was kind of but one of I, those, let's see what happens next moments. Yeah, I don't think there was any like talk about like, oh, we need the time crystal to proceed. So like, no. And you find out later the time crystal's useless. Wait, what? Well, you find out later the time crystal's useless. They need to charge it. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. Like, yeah. Right. So, like. But they needed it. But the thing is, is they did, they do need the time crystal, right? But they haven't done any of the. I can't believe we just said that. To explain why. No, 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 it turns out in the end they need it, I right? know, but what the, but writing... the writers haven't done any of the work to explain why or for what purpose the, the crystal serves. And or so therefore having crystals in general. For, yeah, we're on a random adventure for no, like all the setup stuff that they do in like this episode and the next episode should have come before episode 12. You know, Enterprise te- happens before this. They didn't need the time crystals. Mean. At all. The dude just went back and forth in time with a wrist wristband. Well, obviously he was from farther in the future then. Yeah. Okay. Instead of the Klingon going to the Klingon planet, instead of the human Klingon that is the father of the dude that we find out is down there, they somehow right. settle on Pike a Starfleet officer that shouldn't be down there has to go. Yeah. I, uh, a lot of questions there. Um, I, I particularly the chancellor go the chancellor, the chancellor. Yeah. Why doesn't the chancellor of Cleon? Oh, because that's, that would step on their 
sovereignty? Why doesn't the human Klingon go, well, everyone thinks he's dead, but the monks you said don't talk to anyone, so why does it matter if they see him? Yeah. I hmm. Again, a lot of questions. Pike goes. Pike goes. Uh... We cut this away. Is, what do we do? We cut. A, we cut away first to Spock and Burnham going on a recon mission. Yeah, I was gonna say this is the part where they cut. They cut away and um, Spock and Burnham decide to leave the ship for no reason while Pike is away. Uh, Voke tell. Oh, not Voke. Ash Tyler tells Burnham that a Section Thirty One ship missed a check in by ten minutes. Therefore, nefariousness is going on. Clearly, we must have discovered something that it didn't want us to know. Or it's a trap, you dummies. What, Andrew? Come on. Come Mm. on, man. Why would it be a trap? Why would a computer that already has control of every ship... Okay. (laughs) They're pretty dumb for Mm -hmm. for being smart. I like that these this 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 thing where like Burnham is like I have a plan I'm gonna go do it no matter what that felt like it's it is dumb in the way that smart people are dumb sometimes absolutely they get this in their head and they're like I'm doing this and like we're gonna go do it even though it's reckless and dangerous and all this stuff oh I'm Spock's totally not sure yeah that was that was not the part that I had the issue with in this episode no I mean. I guess you're right. There is a there is a way in which smart people are dumb and they have an idea and fine. It, I wanted like Saru or someone around them to be like, this seems real dumb, but I'm going to let you go anyway. Sure. Right? That would have made me feel better about it. Yeah, if someone was like, you know, this is probably a trap, right? Yeah, because it's like so obviously a trap. <laughs> yeah. So oh, obvious. Uh, maybe it's just because that's what we've come to expect. Jet Reno is back just to be Jet Reno. I guess to remind us who Jet Reno is before Jet Reno becomes important. Yeah. I really wish they have enough room to have made her a character that is a stable addition to this show. She has become a plot device. She does more in these last few episodes here than she did the entire arc of the show. She came on in episode one, right? Or two? Episode one of this season is about finding her, I think. Yeah. So, like, you know, what's going on here, man? (laughs) I don't know. Somebody needs to solve the love problems on the ship. Anyway, uh, cut back to the important thing. Yeah, I know. I know. Cut back to the planet, and we find out very little other than that Tenovic, the man in charge of the temple somehow, is Volk's son, slash Lorel's son. Uh, time works differently, you see. Uh, this isn't a we're writing this character off the show moment, and we needed to have the close this plot line. That's not what this is, okay? Trust us. It's just we... Uh, the time is is different here. So, I wanted yeah, I wanted to why. talk about this time being different thing, and just when you walk through the temple with them as he's explaining what time crystals are to Pike, mm-hmm. uh, realizing what they did to this kid, <laughs> time know, didn't right? time didn't flow different 
the people in the temple stuck a time crystal on the kid and grew it up. Mm-hmm. Instead of raising a kid. Yep. That's kind of messed up, man. Pretty messed up. I'm not... There's no chill in that at all. Uh, Why don't it, we just... Why don't we just bad. keep... Why don't we just stay in the temple instead of bouncing around like the episode does? Uh, okay. Thenovic takes him through the locked door that apparently was important and they go to the time crystal cave yes the magic cave where the time crystals are in the magic crystal cave Tenevik automatically knows which crystal is pike's crystal because apparently there's only one crystal per person like a like a lightsaber crystal or something my eyes at that line rolled so hard. I think they rolled out of my head and onto the floor. I couldn't believe it. I was like, not I. Not only do they have no plan for why they need this thing, they have no ugh. like. There's no justification even for any of this. Yeah, it's like, so terrible. Like I, we have we have talked about the writing being terrible in this show many times it's funny because they have such a good grasp of like what it should look like what it should feel like yeah they changed the klingons but actually they kind of like saved it a little bit and i don't mind them as much anymore yeah i've kind of like come around on how the klingons are i'm like not that against it anymore and every time we see them they seem to be gravitating to being klingons we remember yeah and that's okay. You know, that's like the universe writing itself. Everything is equilibrium in the end, right? But right. uh This this almost this, this entire episode, episode part where they go to the, the time palace here is truly baffling. I'm like, tr- I'm having this... the hardest time getting through it just remembering it. Oh yeah. So it, you know, if the notes tell you anything, right? Like I took maybe like 15 total notes for the entire episode. Oh, I have less than that. I have like 12. It's just like little points. Yeah. Episode 13 has I've got more ha- than that, right? I've got like half a page on 14. Almost double. Yeah, and I have like, yeah, it, it, like an entire half of, a full half of a page of the last episode. Yeah. So like, this is just baffling. All of the stuff that's happening in this episode is baffling. Why any of it occurs, it, and it's not that they could, it's not that there couldn't be invented reasons for them to do these things. It's that the invented reasons are explained afterwards instead of before. You can just explain it before. Just come up with the reason ahead of time. And then it's fine. <laughs> and we don't have this issue. I really wish that if time crystals were going to be a thing, we had spent a lot more time understanding... I don't know that the audience needs to understand them, but a lot more time somewhere, someone should have created the lore of the time crystals. Yeah, man. Because being like, oh, look, the Klingons actually possess the power to destroy every civilization in the universe. And even though they're a warlike fractured race, uh, they don't ever use them. No, no, no. We realize how bad they are. And not even that, like the 
did they just say like, oh, we we stopped researching these because they are too dangerous? Okay. When yeah. was this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? When when was that and why didn't you before that time apparently, you know, steal a whole bunch of technology from other people and become the most powerful race uh, in the, like yeah, ex- exactly. where's the reality lot. here of like they had access to these time crystals the entire time? Right. I don't know. Even if you go, um, you know, like here's the thing that would have saved a bunch of this, right? Well, I don't know a bunch of it. It wouldn't have saved any of the time crystal stuff, but it would have made the reason that we're going to get a time crystal easy, right? If they would have settled on at the end of last episode saying, Hey, we need to rebuild the suit. Or at the beginning of this episode, they decide we're going to rebuild the suit. I, I racking my said, brain to remember if they, they did dude, that. And they I didn't. I don't think so. No, they didn't. They, if they I think they come up with the, the idea of- to rebuild the suit because they got a time crystal. And that's like being like, yes, exactly. I am going to build a car because I went and bought an engine. And you're like, why did you go to buy the engine? You didn't have a car. Yeah, exactly. It is literally the cart before the horse. If they had said at the beginning of this episode, I think our only chance here is to rebuild the suit. Well, there's that a lot of our ready. only chance here over these episodes, and they are all oh, confusing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But if they had said that, right, at the beginning of this episode, and then, well, that means we were going to need to get a time crystal. Where can we get a time crystal? And then Ash goes, I know a place. There you go. I rewrote the episode to make sense. Yeah. And like, and then it also a lot of the stuff that happens in 13 then makes sense. And, you know, 14 as well. And you're just like, dude, this was. Oh, why? <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, all right. All right. Let's finish up with the time temple here. Uh, the Pike reaches out. You know, the guy. Oh, uh, he warns, warns him, him. Yeah. Right? Uh huh. You got to tell him what he warns him. Uh, you know, people. What's the line? Shoot. I can't remember the exact It's basically line. this, right? Touch the crystal. Like, and it like you're going to seals your fate. It'll seal. No, no. It, you touch the crystal and it could drive you mad because it's going to show you your future. And some people can't handle what they see. Right. And so right. he does it. Uh, we see the eventual Delta radiation accident that takes out Captain Pike. Uh, and puts him in his chair, right? The pretty famous chair the, from the original so, series. Right. So f- uh, for folks who are like, for folks who took a minute to remember this, like me, uh, when I watched it. I was oh, like, really? What the heck is this? Oh. I wasn't thinking about it, right? The I, whole thing has been so The beeping chair is such a thing. You know, but like I, once I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. But I, like I didn't get immediately what I was supposed to be seeing. Right. But yeah, so like folks who don't remember, in the original series, there's an extremely famous episode called The Menagerie, right? Is that the one we're talking about here? I think it's The Menagerie. That's the beginning yeah. of the the. That's the beginning and, of the Pike arc, right? And Pike comes to the Enterprise where Kirk is in charge and talks. And th- there's a uh, he's in a wheelchair, right? Like a completely enclosed wheelchair, like you see in this episode here. And his face is all kind of like horribly burned or whatever from I don't remember if they said what the accident was at that time or not, or if it like came out later. I'm pretty sure they tell you it was Delta radiation yeah. or something. And so there was a big explosion or whatever. And Pike is, has been confined to this wheelchair. You learn he used to be a captain 
all kinds of stuff, right? Uh, yeah, it's so it's a little more complicated than that. As far as I remember, Spock basically like kidnaps Pike. Oh, so this is a I haven't seen that episode in like a long time. Okay, so this it's um. It's related to the original pilot of the show. Yes, I remember it it, inter, it uses scenes from the original pilot, right? Yeah, so it uses scenes from the pilot called The Cage, where they went to the planet, uh, which we have seen in this season of... Telos 4? Telos 4, Telos 5, Telos 4. We saw the yeah. people with the big heads. They the showed... The illusions. Yeah, they helped Spock. Those people... Uh, and they missed the opportunity for like the Talos people or somebody to like kind of give the idea that Pike would end up back there, right? Um, obviously he has the the reaction, I believe, to have already done the Cage mission, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because when they go to Talos, where he knows what's up, so right. uh, it's in the menagerie. This horrible accident has already befallen him, and I believe Spock tries to get Pike back there to live out his life in a better way. Right. Because, obviously, I mean, you know, he's in a wheelchair. wheelchair It's not great. Yeah. And he could live nicely instead. Right. So, it's a cool... I I I think it's a cool moment. I was going to say I actually really liked this part as, you know, like a character moment for him. It was a scene it was a fun it was a cool callback to the original series, right, where Pike is and the because they already did the callback to to the Telosians, right? Right, this sure. This is a similar similar callback to things that happened that we know happen in Pike's character arc. Yeah. And Pike is willing to like accept this future for himself. Yeah. Because not just because he knows like we need this thing, which again, it's not clear why they need that thing. Right. But he, he is, he trusts, he believes that there's a reason. It's unfortunate a little bit that they didn't show him his eventual future of like, and maybe we just didn't see it. Although he acts horrified, right? I would have liked them to show him in the chair going to Talos so that you get the idea that he accepts his fate so easily later on in this show um because he knows it all turns out the way that it is is mm-hmm. not horrible you know like i kind of would have liked to see that maybe yeah it's not a big deal um yeah, it, I, it was a cool scene it's very cool i think i think of everything that you could say about episode 12 the the best thing to come out of it is this idea that Pike knows his future and still becomes and behaves and will be the, uh, the model Starfleet officer until the end. Right. Best part of that episode, for sure. Even yeah, though we get definitely. there through his convoluted way. So, back with the Spike and Burnham away mission. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think he just takes the thing, right? And then we go back there. 
Yeah. He takes yeah. the thing and basically Tenovic's like, your fate is sealed. Yeah. And oh. then he goes back to the ship. Okay. So and the 31, the section 31 ship uh, that they've been right. tracking and the other plot line becomes important finally at the end of this episode. They should. They, well, we haven't really talked about what happens over there. They show up, right? Yep. Thinking that there's going to be something happening there. Oh, there's a lot of dead people here. Not a surprise. Again, yeah, not a surprise. Yeah. Uh, uh, the There's a one person left alive, and he's the tactical officer from the Shenzhou. His name is Gant. Burnham, who Burnham happens to know. Right. Who used to be on the Shenzhou, right? Right. Uh, real, uh, real convenient there. Oh, and that... That character tells them the only way to find out what's going on is back on the ship, which, of course, he doesn't want to go back to. No, no. But I'm the only one that has access to the computer. I guess I'll go. The most half-hearted defense there. Yeah. Uh, We have the second instance, JJ, that I can remember from this season of people don't understand computers. I know. <laughs> They're gonna trap the AI in a fake subsystem. Someone in the writing room or whomever came up with this part of the plot line read one article about how computer security works. And it was like, honey pots are a thing. We're gonna do that. And that's how we'll beat this AI. Ignoring that that's not what a honeypot is and how it works. And also ignoring the fact that this isn't how computers work. Learn them, JJ. So, uh, but of course, you know, before they can trap the AI in their magical plan uh, and restore you know, the ship and everything, Andrew, um, someone has to go manually be the bait. Right, because also that's how networked computers work. Right. You have to manually have someone be the bait in order to make the computers... The computer AI something. will notice that you're on one console creating a subsystem only on the console? That'd be like plugging in... Th- their plan is to plug in a USB drive and hope the AI runs into it. So there is... like. It- in computer networks and computer security, there is this concept of doing something like this, right? You, the purpose of it is to attract, like, uh, foreign malware or viruses or whatever into this like closed system so that you can study them, right? Sure. It, it, you you set this system up. You leave all the ports open. You turn off the firewall. You do all this kind of stuff that you shouldn't do with your uh-huh. computer. You put it out there, and then the viruses and all the malware and stuff come and infect it. And then you unplug it and examine them right in your in your system that you know how it's set up and all the have all the tools ready for. Right? Uh huh. D- is your computer already infected when you do that? Uh no, usually hmm. it's not. No, hmm. yeah, yeah. Because no. because um, viruses also, don't just usually, copy themselves. Hmm. It, yeah. All yeah. So that's the thing, right? It this doesn't trap anything. It, the way these work, right? You. Cr- because computers, you aren't removing the virus from everywhere else by bringing it here. That's the thing, right? That's the thing. You bring the virus there, and now this thing is also infected. Right, but because we said the word AI, it must behave like a single foreign entity. 
Yeah, and that's the like that's the part that really makes no sense at all. Oh, it makes no in, sense any, because they understand later that it's an AI, therefore it can control nine million spaceships at one time. Yeah, look, the writer didn't get the memo in this episode, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, so they have someone go manually be the bait. We have um, to explain. I have three notes about a tricorder here because, duh, Gant is actually the AI. Just like what, Andrew? Who could have seen this coming? How is that even possible? Just like what's his face, the AI, and uh, he's made up of little nanobots. Yes, robots in disguise. <laughs> I wish we named these episodes because that would be the perfect name for this series of episodes. Honestly, it's yeah. really robots in disguise. Oh my god. I didn't realize it till now. We're just watching Transformers. They're going to add Transformers in season the section 3. Section 31 ships look a bit like Transformers. They're literally even. just going to add Transformers in season 3. We've been baited this whole time. I mean, I don't know. I would watch Burnham and Optimus Prime fight against Megatron and I don't know whoever their evil bad guy is. It'll I'd be, be some sort of Romulan or something, right? Future Romulan, yeah. Is there any yeah, hmm. I would watch it. <sighs> we have to spend time explaining that the AI is in the dude and that it blocked the tricorder because the ship detected it. Yeah. Why Why do we have to explain this type of stuff? The, the funny thing is, in this, in this show, they're really over-explaining details that don't matter. And really bad at explaining things that are vitally important to understanding the plot. There's a lot of times I feel like, well, if you just didn't do this and you did this a different way, you'd spend a lot less time explaining things you don't need to explain to me. I know what a... It, it's like we blocked the tricorder because blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, what if instead of that, yeah, you don't have them pull out the tricorder and sure. when they're on the shuttle, you go... Oh, our senses are acting all weird here. It must right. be from the all these dead bodies causing weird problems. Our sensors are going to be bad. Right. And then you just then you just go, "Oh, look, now we don't have to worry about sensors." So they figure out that there's a section 31 fleet coming. Uh and, oh, wait, wait, hold on. Oh, gotta, oh wait, they talk, the magnet talk about the dumbest part. The yes. magnetizing, right? Uh, no, even before that, right? Oh, okay, yeah. So the the uh the obviously robot guy taken over by control, the AI, uh, was the whole point of this trap, which obviously was a trap and everyone saw was a trap except everyone in the show, uh, was so that they could talk to Burnham separately from Spock and try to convince her to give them the data. Uh-huh. This was the plan. The plan was that Burnham would be the one to show up when the Section 31 ship was 10 minutes late. That was the plan. This is the plan. Not Voke, not Pike. Not not any other member of not, Section 31. Not other people. Not any admiral. No admirals. Not, not other ships. No one else Only would Burnham show. Just Burnham. Yeah. yeah, and then they could talk to her. And either take her over or enforce or force her to come around to their side because remember she's mad at this point, 
and so she would be willing to give the data to the the AI for some reason. <sighs> I was hoping to get past this. Yeah. Anyway, they magnetize the floor. Uh, yeah, and all the little nano robots drain out because that's how metal works. I mean, it's fine, but it seems like a huge. We could have done this earlier scenario. Yeah, certainly. And a huge, we could do this later scenario when they don't use it. Anyway, uh, there's a fleet coming of Section 31 ships and Burnham says, you know what? This isn't worth it. And everybody decides together they should blow up the Discovery. End of right. So yeah, Burnham and Spock leave. They're like, oh, well, this is dumb. We're out of here. Mm-hmm. And they go back to the ship, and then every the, a fleet of Section Thirty One ships show up. They're like, the only solution is we got to blow up the ship. Right. Okay, sounds good. Episode thirteen. Episode thirteen. The Enterprise has arrived. Was this in again? I feel like some explanation was needed here. The Enterprise just showed up. It was it, this was planned. The Enterprise showed up within minutes because they were close by. I see. I Luckily. Guess. Luckily close by. I thought Disco was smaller. Yeah. It, uh, the Enterprise looks the like a tiny ship next to the Discovery. It's kind of weird, right? It is strange. I think the... So there's two things going on, I think, right? The Enterprise has that, like, kind of two-level design with the saucer and then the main section and sure. then the cells up. But Discovery is a lot flatter. Right. Um, Maybe that contributes somehow. Maybe it just looked longer the entire it every time looked, they shot it, it looked really long compared to the Enterprise. Yeah, but let's talk about the most important thing here, Andrew. Yeah, evacuation corridors, gigantic evacuation corridors, <laughs> never before seen or heard of or talked about. We apparently every ship has these, you know. Okay. Um, according to them. Okay. Uh, you have gigantic space corridors that you b- can bridge between ships and have an entire crew's worth of people run across. Fine with me. I. <laughs> it looks so goofy. <laughs> it does look goofy. It's fine. It's like I. I just saw the the way they fold out is like ludicrous. Like they literally like someone took a um. What are those, uh, like a, a Chinese finger trap or whatever? Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And just like kind of like un, unfolded it and spread it out between the two points. I'm sorry. It's just a, the scene where those fold out it just looks so ridiculous that I, I had to bring it up. It looked pretty good. I didn't, actually, I didn't actually care that they did this. Like they had to move all the people from one ship to the other ship for plot reasons. Sure, go for it, whatever. Did they have to do that? Andrew, they're abandoning ship. They're going to blow the ship up. They got to get them off. Sure. Uh, I wrote a note right here at this point of the show that said, this is super brave if they follow through, period, capital I, capital F, period. <laughs> oh, look. you Look, man. You knew. The second they're like, we got to blow this ship up, they were not going to blow this ship up. I thought it was going to be super cool. And then they're talking on the bridge about the AI and what it means. And like, I started thinking to myself, if this happens and the AI, some, the, sorry, not the AI, 
Well, the AI maybe. Like if the AI gets a hold of the ship, but the ship gets tossed to the future or something. Like if something crazy happens here and that thing and the database somehow morph into the creature from Picard. Like if this no, is connected, the creature from Picard comes from another dimension. Or I whatever. know, but there I thought for I remembered for there, a minute so. Picard, and I was like, if this is all connected to Picard, I'm gonna be so happy at the end of this. You were extremely wrong, I, and I the the reason that it it can't be is because those were like aliens from another dimension, right? Which definitely is different than this, which is an alien from our future. It's not like <laughs> they could be the same, or like create a sensible fiction there in a world building or whatever. No, 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 not possible. It has to be like completely different ancient aliens. Okay. Different ones. It would be cool if people in charge of shows running at the same time, talk to each other. Just saying. Yeah, sure would. Sure would Andrew, especially if they have the same enemies running around to fight or like, what if, you know, they shared a universe and they therefore had to like conform to like, things that happened in that universe in a way that made sense. Hmm. All right. Back on to 13. Pike looks genuinely happy to be on the enterprise. I will say the shot where Pike walks onto the enterprise bridge for the first time is very cool. I enjoyed that. That was a fun part of this episode. I loved that Giorgio shows up. The panning shot across the bridge. Oh, it was so good. As well on the Enterprise, because now that's canon that Giorgio has been on the Enterprise. Okay. <laughs> I like that that's canon. And she also has a great line where she looks at Pike and she's like, orange, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, the color, right? <laughs> the color of, of the Enterprise. It's pretty good. Uh, I like how much they made the Enterprise corridors and stuff look kind of like fancy updated versions of the 60s enterprise yeah it very much had that feeling of like no no the 60s show was just not high def don't worry about it right yeah that's like that's what i was just gonna say it's like they it's like this is what you would have seen if we were using high def cameras back then yeah it's good (laughs) it's you know like they see a little more detail on the bulkheads and stuff so it's less flat but it's definitely like you know those colors are those colors i (laughs) 1000 percent really like the redesign of the bridge. I don't know if you noticed mm-hmm. this, but it's not the same as the bridge from the Kelvin universe either. What they did is they took that set from the original and they made it like a, a bullpen. So like where Uhura sits and where Spock sits and all those people sit is not the end of the bridge. I don't know if you noticed that. It's like oh. it's like a lowered section and behind all those screens of where Uhura and Spock and all those people would be was another level out of the bridge with more stations. Oh, no, I don't know if I noticed that. Yeah, because when he gets off the turbo lift, I was like, whoa, that bridge is way bigger than it used to be. And then he walks down into this like bullpen that is the bridge we know from the original series. Interesting. I thought that was a super cool use of the original and also redesign. Cool idea. Very cool. I I am just like I'm contemplating this and I think that's that's rad. I totally did not notice that. But I definitely did notice like oh like hey here's the 
Well, anyway, we'll get to it. Well, I wonder at this point, when I saw the Enterprise and how much work they put into it, I was like, they must have known at this point that they were going to reuse these sets. Yeah, so like when you saw this, right, you're like, oh, no, they were very serious about the Enterprise this whole time. It's like I think when they did this point of this show, this was the point where they're like, actually, Strange New Worlds is the show we're making now. <laughs> Which is why it felt like they were trying to wrap everything up, right? Because it definitely feels like they're out here, like, searching for all the weird hanging plot threads, and we got to wrap them all together right now. Which is you know, why they write off um, Voke and Lorel's son. It's why they're doing all this stuff with the time crystals and they get rid of the discovery I mean, ship and all this stuff. What, they literally put a bow on this at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah. Um, Burnham is tasked with taking the crystal over to the ship. I don't know why anyone that knows Burnham would... would yeah, give her that give task. Give her that task. Uh, but she, of course, touches the crystal... Sees the future. Sees all the future and tells them they can't self-destruct the Discovery and they can't shoot the Discovery to blow it up. What are they going to have to do? And everyone just believes her and is like, oh, okay, let's do well, something else. Spock, Spock is now in the mode of whatever Burnham says, I'm going to listen. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, yeah. So... They, of course, have to have a meeting. And in the meeting, they brain out that Burnham must have been the one that sent the signals. Yes. Because they need to send the discovery to the future or something. They're in danger as long as the sphere data on the discovery, which they can't destroy now, is in this time they're in danger yes so they got to send it to the future so it's not in this time anymore so that they're not in danger but there isn't the ai control the future andrew not if he doesn't get the sphere data in the past time makes no sense and so it's just i don't know man but yeah sure they got to send it to the future all right dude yeah sure okay great yeah uh Giorgio says why don't we shoot a torpedo and Seems everyone, like a good plan. Everyone's kind of like, nah. And then she says my second favorite line, I thought there were no bad ideas. And Pike says, <laughs> Pike says, that's a bad idea. <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, and then are, they shock us with a little reference to a short trek. And not a little reference, I guess. Uh, yeah, so they find out. So now, so at this point, right now they've committed, okay, we got to rebuild the suit. Oh yeah, no, so now we have to rebuild it. the suit for Burnham, and Burnham has to fly because this, the suit is bonded to her DNA or whatever. Because we some can't garbage. possibly recode a DNA marker in the suit; it has to be built for her. Right. The people that thought you could trap an AI in a honeypot said there's no way to reprogram a DNA marker in a suit. The only reason I bought it here is because they don't understand how the suit works, right? They're just rebuilding the one they already knew. Okay. All right. If you buy into it, I'll let it go. I, I'm not like, look, man, there's so many problems with everything that happens. That, like, I can't, I can't get mad about this. Uh-huh. Um, but the, the, the thing that I got, the reason I was okay with it, whether I was like happy about it or not, 
was they're like, we don't know what this suit is. It's magical technology, even though it's not. Her mom built it like over 20 years or whatever. Ago. Yeah, there so, should be documents but, of it, but I guess they were destroyed. It feels like this isn't that hard to do, but whatever. <sighs> they don't understand the suit. They took a bunch of readings of it and stuff before, and they're just recreating the stuff that they had. Right. Okay. Okay, I guess. But we so need... that means Burnham has to fly it. Then the next signal shows up over Zahia. Right. And, and because they now know they have a time crystal, which they didn't know they needed before, but they had luckily. Well, but then good thing we have why, this time crystal. Yeah. Gee, if only we could have explained why we needed it, mm-hmm. but we and can't then, make it work because we got to charge it. Andrew, we don't know how to do that. And the last time we, we worked with a time crystal, we needed a supernova, right? Where are we going to find a supernova? Andrew boom signal over Zahia, which is yes. fine. Uh, we have come yeah, to accept I, the signals. I'm surprised they brought back a short trick. Uh, I think you and probably everyone else watching was surprised because not only do like this person, uh, what's her name? The princess Poe Poe. Thank you. Show up. And all of a sudden it's like Tilly, my best friend from the like one 40 minute episode. Everyone on the show is also confused. (laughs) I think probably everyone watching this show was confused. Yeah. I thought it was funny that the main characters were all like, what is happening right now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you didn't watch that short trek, you weren't in on the joke, which kind of probably would feel bad. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, like, I think you, I think that that of all of those short treks, right? This is the one that ended up being Canon. To be know, fair, it's the only one. The show. It's the only one that's not sub subbed out right like mm-hmm. there's that one in the future oh my god there's the one in the future jj yeah no way maybe you think i don't know dude i gotta look up who that character is now oh man i'm gonna look that up because what if the short treks all eventually connect no, I mean, they can't all eventually connect, but at least maybe some of them might have been pre-planned. All right. Okay. It's possible. I see. Well, but I... the ship is empty, right? Like, right? That's yeah. the deal. That ship is empty when that guy shows up. But it's also aware. Hmm. Hmm. We got to rewatch the future one now. I'm not going to do that. I'll watch it for us. Okay, thank you. Okay, look, Poe and Jet make a supernova in a box. Right, magically. Uh, these, uh, we, so, again, something you wouldn't know, uh, If although Tilly does kind of hand wave it pretty quick, but like, apparently Poe is like a genius. She can recrystallize like a, dilithium, which would change the entire balance of the universe. A magical science genius, and she is just like unbelievably smart at solving engineering problems. So, I mean, it is a good thing they went and found her because apparently she figured out how to charge a time crystal uh, in a box. Yeah. Because uh, Jet said a funny one-liner. Yep. Look, Jet said a funny but, one-liner. Uh, but it's going to take some time, so they got to, you know. She's also an ice cream fiend, apparently, which <laughs> lines up with the short trek anyway. Lines up with the short trek, but also provides another great Giorgio line in one episode. Which is that she hates ice cream. <laughs> I don't remember when she said po, that. Poe hands her an empty bowl of ice cream and she goes, she goes, 
Someone take this foul slop. I love that if, she's so cool. If they cool. eventually do that Section 31 spinoff show with Giorgio, I so, would be very happy. Buddy, I don't understand how they're going to get there. Me neither, Andrew. Hold on. We're not there. We're not there yet. All right. Uh, it's a one-way trip, we find out. Yes. Uh, so Because they want to leave the ship in the future. And that means Burnham can't come back. No, it has something to do with something else, but I can't remember why. Yeah, there's some reason why they can't. Because if they leave the time suit in the present, then also there's a problem. Yeah. Wormhole. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, Anyway, the essential personnel have to go back to the Discovery. Because they have to... fly the ship to the future right? which that's means the that the discovery is then absolutely chock full of people yeah it's kind of it, like man this, you know i mean i guess it makes sense that the essential personnel isn't just like seven people yeah but you'd think it'd be less than what ends up happening in these next episodes where it's literally like did yeah, the entire you know crew come back it does seem like it would be less than this because I have serious... You get some scenes in sickbay where there's like 50 people in there. Yeah, and you'd be like, okay, well then there must be even more people somewhere because that means engineering still has people. The ship is still working. You know, maybe in the Star Trek future they signed on to the idea that like grocery store clerks are essential workers too. And so it's just... Ouch. It's it's just like... There's so many people because like, well, we got to have the guy who runs the Deck 12 Quickie Bart. He's there. Yeah. How will we get um, snacks during the invasion? Yeah. Uh, including yeah, Sarek. Sarek shows up and is essential personnel, apparently. No, that was a mind thing. No, right? it wasn't. Mm-mm. They walk through a door and they leave on a shuttle. Because what's her name is there? Amanda? Yeah. I'm almost certain they leave on a shuttle. It shows that, them leaving on a shuttle. I mean, I know you're right, but I thought for some reason that it was like a hologram communication. I, mean, I, I point okay these things it. out because we could ignore them and move on. But it's important to note there's a lot of this type of just like, why are we, what are we doing? This episode and the episode that follows it is a whirlwind of, here's a thing. Look at it for 10 seconds. All right, I'm throwing it away. Here's another thing. Look at this for 10 seconds. I'm throwing it away. Yeah. You get like one scene out of everything. And then they just like quickly throw it away, never to be thought of or or explained ever again. The entire crew tells Pike that, um, hey, we're going to the future with her. We've mm-hmm. all we're all doing it, including Spock, which was a gigantic red flag for me. I mean, you knew something was going to happen, right? Right. You knew either all- that. Like Burnham is so surprised. It's like, oh, they're going to come with me into the future. Wow. Like, I'm so surprised that they would do this. Like, obviously, that would be what happens. Burnham, they're your friends. Come on. Well, get... there's it's a one-way trip. It is. So, I mean, it makes sense for a couple of them, but not a lot of them. But it tells you, you know, like, Spock's obviously not going to make it to the future because you know. Well, you know, he doesn't, right? Right. Yeah. Um Jet has to open the cage. It charges faster because the Section 31 ships are coming. 
Right. And they're going to blow them all out of the sky. Uh, I can't... I can't... I need... And now knowing it, what happens at the end of this, I need Pike and Giorgio to have more screen time. Because they're good... Jo- they're they're goodbye at the transporter. Oh, you mean together. Yes. Together. Uh-huh. I need them to be on the screen together more. They're goodbye at the transporter where she's on the pad and starts transporting and goes, hey, I'm a Terran from the alternate universe. And Pike says, what alternate universe? And winks at her. Mm-hmm. I feel like is the epitome of the like most burgeoning, fantastic buddy show that never that came is, to be. That is either great foreshadowing by the writers for like something they're going to do in strange new world or like pike doing the like starfleet said i can't talk about this wink yeah i'm sure it's the second one i'm sure it is too but i wish it was the first one that would be so cool if they have an arc where they go to the terran universe on that show but it'd be cool who knows all right, so then do, they like prepare for battle episode 14. Do you remember before we get into episode 14 when um uh in Star Trek 4 they just went around the sun backwards and time travel was no big deal? I mean, the ship didn't like it, man. It it shook a lot. There's a lot of shaking when they did that. Remember when they needed to come back to the future and they went around the sun the other way with whales? Yeah. Yeah, they had to build the tank out of um, regular plexiglass, and and Scotty had to teach their computer like magic technology by talking into a mouse. Do you remember how the hardest part of that movie was the stuff to do in the movie instead of the time travel, and and mm-hmm. we wouldn't have gone through five episodes of trying to get parts to make a suit to ferry a well, ship the- to the future. See, the thing is, is that uh, that hadn't happened yet. That's why. Right. Because this hap- that happens in the future. Because Kirk is, has to have been captain of the Enterprise already. Do you remember when Spock was the one that figured out how to do the time travel around the sun? Is, are you saying that because of this, he knew how time travel I am wondering. figure it out? I'm wondering how Spock didn't figure out now that you could go around the sun backwards instead of waiting 30 years later to figure out how you have to go around the sun backwards. Why didn't he help his own sister go around Andrew, the sun backwards? Andrew, there's a lot of time. You know, he, he went on many missions. He probably studied some stuff. <sighs> now. Next, we're going to find out that Star Trek four is being rewritten and remade so that the sun was actually full of time crystals. That's why it works. Andrew, don't give them ideas, please. <laughs> don't even say into existence that what you're thinking. That's terrible. Star Trek Four: Save the Whales is a perfect movie. We should leave it alone. Absolutely. I I can't. There's no more percents left in the 100% that I agree with you. Yes. Here's your the actual f- name of Star Trek Four. I actually only know it as Star Trek Four: Save the Whales. I don't. Now that the voyage home. Yeah, there you go. I was like, I know that. I know that. I I know that. I know the title, but you've now (laughs) messed me up. Sorry. Okay, I'm gonna let you do the opening to this episode. Fourteen. How many shuttles does the Enterprise have, JJ? So many. 
shuttles. That's literally my first line. So many. There's like 500 flying out of the out of the bay. What is this? What are the pods? What are the what are you know like what are all these ships and where did they all come from? Great question. And why didn't we ever see them in Star Trek before? And also again. Also, number one outfitted them with weapons. They mentioned that, right? That's the this is the thing that I hate about this show. They take the time to have number one mention. Oh, I'm outfitting all of our shuttles and pods with weapons. And Pike's like, oh, that's a good idea. Thanks. And she said that, and I thought, oh, okay, cool. They'll have like, they'll have like a little three little shuttles three little shuttles around. to help Burnham do her mission. That's what I thought when I heard that. I was like, that's a great yeah. idea. They'll have yeah three to ten shuttles to smash do- cut to the cargo bay, disgorging a swarm fleet of shuttles and swarms of pods. Just I cannot. What is that? Like, they, the way they treat this, it's like the Star Trek shuttle bay is an Imperial Star Destroyer's worth of TIE fighters. (laughs) And, like, half the interior of the Imperial Star Destroyer is full of TIE fighters. That's, like, all that's in there, I think. Yeah. Also, the the diagrams are relative. I've seen the diagrams of the Enterprise. The shuttle bay is not that big at the back. No, it's not. And in other Star Treks that use a similar layout to the back of their ship, it is shown to also not be that big. You can fit two, three shuttles across. Discovery has a lot of shuttles, in my opinion. Uh, You sure see them use them a lot. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever gotten... I guess we do get some views of their cargo bay, and it seems bigger. Star Trek V. No, Star Trek VI. The Undiscovered Country. Has one of... In my brain, the most iconic battles between the Enterprise and a bird of prey. Oh, yeah. Wait, this is the one where it's cloaked, right? And they're trying to figure out how to shoot it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The tension in that scene is Kirk being like, back up, back up, back up. Go forward. Spin us. Do all these types of maneuvers. There was tension in that scene. In doing those things, even though you don't see the Enterprise even do half of them. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, there's a torpedo shot from nowhere. You don't see the bird of prey half the time. Mm-hmm. So half the time of a space battle that is one of the most iconic in the movie series, you only see one ship. One ship the opportunity here was to have have a a note written that says there's no tension in this entire battle no not one time there was explosions every second and you lose every moment of this tension that could have that torpedo hitting the enterprise could have been a moment yeah it could have been super cool if they had anyone to plot out the space battle. They didn't have anyone plot out the space battle. And the worst and most egregious part of this is that the capital ships are in a flat disc sitting still the entire time. Yep. 
uh, that's something that Star Trek does all the time, and I uh, they like forget that space is three D. They forget it all the time, uh, like in every although like in every encounter, at least in um, more recent Star Trek, there is like this remembrance of like, well, we have to have them like the two ships like show each other like nose to nose or whatever. Which, like, obviously is not how you would attempt to actually fight in space because your ship can go all kinds of directions. Discovery has been surprisingly good about that until now, of course. But, like, yeah, why aren't there any ships above them or below them? Like, you know, their Discovery, ship turning to dis- fly down. Discovery needs to be protected at all costs. Why is the Enterprise not in some sort of rotating pattern around the ship to take hits for it? Uh, they do that eventually, but like, yes, why didn't they start that way? Great question. Yeah, I, I mean, I literally have notes all throughout this part is like, space tiny craft are stupid. The queen is on a shuttle. This big space battle is terrible. There's no tension. So, yeah. I, I don't get how this happened. I, I oh. This whole episode, we don't have to talk too much about it because the battle should be something that matters. Leland has like these like, billions of drones mm-hmm. and a bunch of huge like section 31 capital ships, which should be a big problem. Right. But what if this battle instead, JJ had been three section 31 capital ships versus the two ships that already is enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. They're outnumbered three to two. And the, those section 31 ships outgun the other two ships. Like, yeah, that all alone is enough. You're, You're done. You're done. And you could have had this cool running battle where, like... And you could have had a thing where, like, the Section 31 ships are afraid to destroy Discovery too much because they'll damage the data, right? Right. Like, that that could have been a thing. Man. And then oh, you could man. see why Enterprise is taking all the hits instead. And, like, it's like it's so easy to write this scene in a way where there are stakes because they built stakes. Yeah, but instead, by throwing eight billion little ships around out there and all explosions and fighting all the time, like li- this entire episode literally is one giant space battle. Yeah, and there's no tension in it because of eight billion little craft flying around and shooting each other all the time. And also, since when does Enterprise get astromech droids to repair it? Uh, I have a line about that right here. It says, "What are what the f are these R two D two blank?" MFers. I've never ever seen that in a Star Trek ever one time. It's not before. a thing, Andrew. It's not a thing. They made some. They made some friggin' R two D two droids here because they needed to have. Well, they they didn't, didn't need anything. They didn't, they didn't need, need anything. to do this. They they literally the scene could have been deleted. Yeah. No benefit. Nothing of nothing of value was lost. Right. No. Oh my god. That's the problem. That's literally, and that's the best part this about scene this. Is the, is this that scene, I can skip half my notes because of what we've said here is literally like three quarters of the episode of notes is why why is no one moving? Why is Poe in a shuttle? How does Poe know how to beat the drones? Why does Discovery have so much crew? What are these droids? Like, <sighs> yeah, yeah. What, it, like, yeah. That entire scene where the little droids pop out, they're like, get the droids ready for, get the drones ready for, uh, blah, 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 blah. And then they do that. That entire scene was pointless. Yeah. Not only was it pointless because they didn't do anything, 
it's pointless because later they have a whole bunch of good scenes solving this problem. Mm-hmm. They uh-huh. still had the good scenes solving the problem. You didn't need this other one. This episode, by the way, episode 14, is over an hour long, which is like 20 minutes or something longer than the typical Discovery episode. Yep. Uh, I, look here, man. You cut that scene, and there's a bunch of special effects in it, too. I bet that saves you guys like 50K. Yeah, there was no reason. Especially I, when you when the coolest thing that shows up in this episode isn't that or anything else. It's the idea that Ash Tyler went and got the Klingons to help them out, and there's a D7. Yes. The coolest part, like in the middle of this fight, right? Um, The giant Klingon ship materializes in the middle of the Section 31 ship. It is awesome. Again, can still do this scene. Discovery and Enterprise are outnumbered three to two. They're having a really hard time. Discovery is trying to block for the Enterprise because Enterprise is taking all the hits because the Section 31 ships won't shoot the Discovery. Enterprise isn't going to survive much longer. Boom, there's a D7. It's the same scene. It's the same exact scene and a D7 shows up and you can actually see it because there's not a zillion things happening on the screen at the same time. And you still get the cool scene of, by the way, we didn't talk about it, but Ash said, like, I'm going to have to leave and I can't tell you why. He could have told him. Yeah, why couldn't he he say, I'm going to go get some help from the Klingons. Could have told him. First of all, Laurel said that they should never see each other again in the last episode or in episode 12 is like, you're dead. You should never come back to the Klingon Empire because I will no longer be in charge if someone finds out you're alive. And then he's standing on the bridge on the bridge. I know with Uh, all sorts of Klingons looking at him. (laughs) He gives them orders at some point. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, the Klingons showing up in the middle of this battle is like a joyous moment and a fun in a otherwise like very dreary space battle, I think. Yeah. And I was like, Oh sweet. The Klingons are here. Like maybe some cool stuff will actually happen. And then they don't use them that much. They don't use them that much. Yeah. It's too bad because you get some cool scenes of like, you know, them shooting it. And then like Laurel giving orders in like a super Klingon way. It's like today is a good day to die. You're like, yes, dude. Yeah. That's exactly what they would say. That's what I wanted. I I I really feel strongly this could have been a thousand percent less frenetic and way better. Yes. Burnham can't go to the future because she has to send the signals first. Yeah. Why? Can't make the uh well, why does the suit know that? I don't know. That's some some garbage writing there. But it does make logical sense, right? Like, they have to cause the events that led them here. Otherwise, like, you know, the t- time won't work. I can buy that part. All right. I can't buy why the suit just would refuse to do it. That's the part that doesn't make any sense. Okay. So we see the signals all coming together. Uh, oh, by the way, um, uh, Saru's sister shows up at some point. Right? Oh, yeah. Saru's sh- sister shows up. We're not going to leave you to fight by yourself. Who cares? How? Yeah. Why was that in? It, it was in because Saru's leaving for the future. So they wanted to give him his moment. But 
Uh, oh, and speaking of moments and moments that like we've discussed before, not needing to happen or needing to happen not in the middle of stuff. Mm-hmm. Stamets and Hugh near, near again. Paul, Paul and Hugh. Yeah. Paul and Hugh again in the middle of something else become a casualty of too much going on. Yeah. And it's terrible because uh, so Stamets got uh, hurt in an explosion. Or did that happen? Not happen yet? No, that happens uh, when they're building the suit, and she's already in the suit. Right. So he's in sick so bay. He's, he's dying. Hugh bay. has to put him in a coma. And there's a good scene there at the end of like Hugh telling him, "Hey, you know, like I had to come back because it didn't make sense, and and you know, you are the reason, and all this stuff." And that scene could have been good if they had given it the time to have the scene instead of trying to cram it in in 30 seconds in between two explosions. It was definitely smashed in there because the next thing that I remember happening was Giorgio and Leland gravity fighting in a hallway. Yeah, someone watched Inception and was like, I need to recreate this in Star Trek. That would be super cool. And everyone was like, yeah, but like, why? And the guy's like, shut up, we're doing it. And then they, they kind of did it. I was confused that, as to that scene where the guy like fights on all the sides of the walls because the building is rotating in right. the dream. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I was just confused like why there's gravity scene. generators in any, anywhere except the floor. Yeah, so there aren't, you would assume, right? <laughs> uh, and like, in any case, that's not how gravity would work. Like, if you say that, like, anyway, gravity, whatever. Yeah. It's I, silly. It still looked good. I will say that uh, of these things, like it's funny, you know, that all these giants explosions and stuff are going on outside and the ship is constantly shaking because explosions. Right. Um, the like hand to hand fighting scenes and stuff end up not being completely terrible because Michelle Yeoh knows how to do that. Yes. It is like a good action. Uh huh. Action. Scar. Yeah. Like, her, all of the time that she's been in all those like, you know, Hong Kong action movies and stuff from like, you know, years and years ago. Like she actually knows how to, or well, I don't. I don't know if she did this, but like maybe she told them hire this guy. Like someone choreographed the fight scene, and so then it looks like a fight scene. I have to say, any fight scene she's in looks impeccable. It, it ends up looking good, right? And she and she. Uh, I want to point out though. There's oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, unlike a bunch of other characters, she seems to genuinely enjoy like shooting phasers and stuff like that too. I get this feeling like she's like the she's got to be the one on the set that enjoys the toys and the fighting and the that part the most, you know? I, yeah, you definitely get the sense that like she's at home when like the fight choreographer is there and they're practicing the moves and she's going through the like, you know, the the dance of the punches and stuff like that, right? Like she seems to be in it when she has those scenes and is like, you know, photographed like blowing stuff up. Like yeah. that seems to be the part that she's into. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to say quickly while we're talking about fight scenes, the uh, other security officer that's with her mm -hmm. had a line that I hated so much. I had to write it down. Oh, okay. Um, after Leland is on board the ship and they're, she and Giorgio go to fight him. Um, Giorgio's like, Hey, do you want to come with me to like blow him up or get revenge or something? And she says, 
Yum yum. Okay. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> well, good news. She yum, won't be on Brave yum. New Worlds. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, I wonder if they did that so they could get Chekhov onto the bridge in Brave New World. Strange New Worlds. Strange New uh, Worlds. Yes. I mean, I guess so, right? Because she was the Enterprise's security officer. Right. right? So I wonder if that gets mm. Chekhov onto the bridge. <laughs> Chekhov didn't even show up in the first season of TOS. Though, oh, so. so it's got to be somebody else then. You're well, absolutely no right. Secu- Chekhov there was no security officer. There was no security <laughs> officer. I totally... Oh, man, I blanked on that for a second. I didn't. Rem- I I just remembered it now. I was like, oh yeah, like wasn't he not in the first couple seasons? Yeah, he show? wasn't. Yeah, You're right because later. because that's the the big plot hole in Wrath of Khan. Right. Because he's like, oh Chekhov, I remember you, and, you're, and then you go, wait, 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 hold on, you weren't in space scene. Shh, it's fine. Yeah, Shh. no, it's fine. It was whatever. You just yeah, yeah. maybe he wasn't on the bridge yet. He wasn't a deck officer yet. Yeah, he got promoted later. There you go. So he's there. He's somewhere. He's just not a deck officer. We'll see. Look, they'll probably put Chekhov on there because he's famous. Right. They should. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. So, like, we got through that stuff. Okay. The fight scene with them is not that terrible. So, the Admiral... Let's, let's wrap up the Admiral here. She... They got to deal with this torpedo. She pulls an Enterprise. Enterprise B moment here where there's no way to keep this torpedo from blowing up the ship. Oh, wait, sorry. Before we... I, we got to go back a little bit first. Pike sends number one and the Admiral to deal with this, right? Right. Or he sends number one and someone, and the Admiral's like, you go sit down over there. I'll, I'll, go. I'll go. And you know that moment, right? You know that moment yeah. because we've seen that moment a couple times before in Star Trek. Yeah, there were some like flashbacks and stuff also about this thing blowing up. And- well, yeah, but like you've seen the moment where the Admiral oh, says, yeah, the Admiral I'm, goes like, oh, I'm going to take this one. This. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, it, you, you mean you already referenced the Enterprise B thing, so yeah. Uh, I like number one. So, I, uh, I, does she have a name? We, I don't think I ever heard her actual name. So they do the they do the debrief at the end of this episode, and they're doing all their names, and they're like Lieutenant Ash Tyler or Commander Ash Tyler, Captain whatever Pike, uh, you know, like all that. Uh-huh. And she says number one, and so I think. We have to discuss whether or not she's an android. Oh, wow. Uh, hmm. I guess. I guess we could have that discussion. I didn't think about that. It's possible, right? Why not? All he ever says is number one. He literally never calls her anything else. She says number one. Everyone says number one. Maybe she's not number one as in the first officer. Maybe she's the number one of a series of androids. Interesting. I know there was at some point discussion in the like early planning of the original series that there was going to be a woman first officer or something. And the studio nixed it because they are sexist and thought that it was, you can't, uh, why would the woman be in charge? Um, (laughs) kind of a thing yeah and i think the person slated at one point to play that that woman first officer was majel barrett the lady who became the voice of the computer oh really i think that's true i want to say that that's true okay and 
she later ends up on the show in other ways, of course, uh, and then becomes the voice of the computer in the next generation and, you know, others, other things going forward. So I wonder if this is their attempt at like, we're kind of alternate universing this thing here and getting the woman into the like executive officer position or whatever. Yeah. It makes a lot of uh, sense that after Pike goes down, if, if she is or isn't an Android, she ends up off the ship afterwards anyway, too. It seems like their relationship is that relationship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then it's easy to say, well, Spock and Kirk take over, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it, anyway, I just want to point out I like her character, um, and I thought it was good. And then you're right. The Admiral pulls the uh, the Admiral move of, I can stay in here and close the door behind me. Yeah. And go. then, well, it's an interesting moment there because Pike says, no, no, no. If I stay, nothing bad can happen because I know how I die. Oh, yeah, right. I, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that idea. It's like, well, I know I'm okay. If I just stay here, time will stop. Yeah. <laughs> Everything will be fine. As though, like, you know, she's not going to convince him to leave. There's a contradicting argument in this same episode. When Burnham says it's all up to fate or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no. You saw possible futures. Right? Like... Mm-hmm. Not everyone just dies because we tried to blow up the discovery. Obviously, you well, saw that's, a possible. That's kind of future. been the. That's kind of been the thing all along, though, right? Like, right. All of these glimpses for the future or whatever have been possible futures. So the moment that he. So then, why does why do we believe Pike's future, and not the others? Is it because we, the viewer, know that Pike's future actually comes true? We just Pike we doesn't just, know that. We just know that Pike is who he is, and therefore he's going to end up with his future. Right, whereas others may try to do different things, or etc. I think it's a uh, it's weird that Pike goes along with it, being like, "Oh, well, okay, yeah. I I have to go along with this. Like, this is going to actually be my future." When everyone else around is like, "These are possible futures. We can change them." Interesting. Although, can they change them? Because Burnham saw that thing explode, and it definitely did explode. Yeah, but she also saw everybody die on the bridge from Leland, and that didn't happen. Oh, true. Right, right. Leland shows up and just kills everyone, and mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Yeah. All right, I don't know. I think, uh, I think so what Bur- you end up having to believe here is either because it's, it's Pike's crystal, he's sealed, and it's some sort of magic like that, or mm-hmm. the more likely one that I believe or choose to believe here is that Pike doesn't Pike is unable in the moment of that what ends up happening to him to stand aside, right? He's going to get to the moment in his future where that that delta radiation leak is happening and know that that is how he's going to die and think but I'll still save my entire ship by doing this. Yeah, I think that that's very likely, right? It, it's the case where you know Pike is the kind of guy who is, if if it's the choice between being crippled in a wheelchair for 100 years or saving his crew, he's obviously going to pick saving the crew, right? right? And so, so, then him, the, so then the Admiral telling him, no, you have to leave, he's the kind of guy who's going to, going to do that because it saves the crew in the end, yep. right? Yep. He's not willing to endanger everyone on a hunch that if he stays, it'll be fine. Yeah. 
we get a pretty good explanation for oh and then uh she obviously passes away when the torpedo explodes so we know uh, i wrote that they must have a really good blast door right there and with glass in it yeah because he watches the entire time it's very sad um i will say uh, uh the scenes of burnham going back and like sending the signals and stuff were cool i thought i liked them a lot yeah I, it was some of the coolest stuff it's a shame it took us so long and so much incoherent stuff to get there. I, I wrote notes. I said, I don't like how we got here, but these signals all coming together, thumbs up. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. And, it, it, and you know, the, the idea where we're, well, we've only seen five signals, Andrew. What is the deal? Yep. You, you learn that, ah, well, actually, the sixth one is going, Burnham is going to send to help the discovery because reasons they can't fly or whatever. Follow the signal. Yeah. Follow me okay. to the signal. Follow me to the signal. Great. Good, All right. Good like explanation that. for Spock can't leave here where the shuttle gets damaged in the huge battle. Again, didn't need the huge battle to get the shuttle damaged. Yeah, you certainly could have. It could have been hit by a piece of space debris. It could have been shot one time by a Section 31 ship and then ignored because it was crippled. Lots of reasons they could have just, you know, had it be shot, right? And, yeah. But it was good, right, that he was like, it's not because I don't want to go with you. It's because I can't. Yeah, I physically like, can't get out of the shuttle. It, uh, it won't fly. Yeah. Good moment there. Um, and especially... Super good scene. Especially good scene when she tells... He says, I don't know, you know, what's my barometer? What's my direction going to be for the... You know, how will I become a better person yeah right and she she tells him to listen to kirk yep like flat out doesn't say kirk but she says you know find the person that is the most opposite from you that you can ever be and listen yeah you know it's like the way she phrases it is really interesting right because she's like listen to the people that are you know different than you and so listen to the people who you know support their ideas and all this stuff and it's a, you know, if you just listen to it, it sounds like a, like, general platitude mm-hmm. of, like, oh, you know, take the ideas from people who are different than you and, and listen to other people and, like, that kind of stuff. That's just a general thing that's probably good advice. But because she's speaking to Spock, we know. We know. <laughs> she's, he... saying, she's saying, listen to this insane captain who is, like, arrogant and brash and all this stuff that is the exact opposite of you. Mm-hmm. So she's directly yeah. responsible for them becoming best friends in the future, right? I mean, you know, that's the headcanon now, right? Yeah. I. Uh, and then she says, like, you know, they're like, well, we don't know what the seventh signal is now. And she says, I'm going to send it afterwards to let you know that we got there. Okay. Ah, right. That will be the seventh signal. Good end moment for their relationship. One yeah, one yeah. that needed a good amount of talking about because I think it's it's a good end cap. If Discovery is going to move permanently out of this timeline mm-hmm. because they really need it to, yes. as, as evidenced by the end of this. The, like we said, they put yeah. a bow on the end of this episode. Like a they literally take bow. every every loose thread in the in the timeline and they completely round it up yeah and so you have to say it's very very likely that we will not see 
anyone from Discovery except for maybe Giorgio return to the current timeline. Yes. Um, so that was a good, they did a really good moment of wrapping those two apart forever, basically. Yeah, I, I liked, you know, given that she is a son or daughter of Sarek and Amanda, the they needed to have a scene between them, right? And this was a pretty good one, I thought. Yeah. Like, it, it worked very well. Uh-huh. And then the battle is, like, they, they fly Discovery into the magic time well, wormhole or whatever. There's a, Burnham. There's, there's a question first that I have for you. We okay. we didn't finish the Giorgio fight. First of all, I don't know how they're going to do a Giorgio Section Thirty One show, like they've said. But maybe neither. Maybe it's a prequel. Doesn't she go into the future? Yeah, so she does. She absolutely goes to the future. So it must be like a prequel show or something. Who knows? Uh, Back on the Terran universe. Hey, did you hear them say the words "control is neutralized" after they magnetized Leland to death? Oh yeah, huh? Why do they still stop fighting? Why do they still need to go to the future? Well, they can't keep the magnets on that floor on forever, Andrew. Why do they still need to go to the future? (laughs) If control is literally, they say the words "control is neutralized," and everybody goes, "Oh, thank God!" and all the ships stop fighting, and then. Isn't that the because reason? Because as long as the data is there, they'll keep coming back from the the future to to get it. Or uh, it, um, oh, it's like a Terminator situation. That. Yeah, it's it's the John Connor problem. John Connor right? problem. Got it. It's not, but I, I, like that's all I can think. I of couldn't. I garbage. I couldn't get past this moment where I was just like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and then. And then Leland is magnetized to the floor of the Discovery. Mm-hmm. We, so he's going to the future with them. Mm-hmm. I was just—I was going to bring up that part if you didn't get to it. So, <laughs> yeah. So they just took him with them. So this is what we're talking about: how how these they get they get so wrapped up in these like convoluted mess of ideas when they're just, they could simplify all this stuff and make it a lot easier and make the, it make the scene have more tension because the, the whole thing of like him being there is that, that again, you can't, the AI isn't one thing. Yeah. <laughs> so like you can't get rid of it by stopping just Leland. Right. Stopping Leland is helpful though. Right. The right? AI because would still be in the ships. Yes, exactly. I don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get computers. And no, it and really hurts. Try to. It really hurts my head to think about like what they're trying to do. Okay, whatever. They still go to the future. Yep. Then we get the cool debriefing scene where they put Ash Tyler in charge of section 31. Um, number cool. one says her name is number one. Which is a huge clue to me. I hope it's true. That would be really cool. That she's an android. And I I didn't think about that, but I thought it was cool. And uh, basically debrief all these people. Everyone says the discovery was destroyed. Right. So uh, everyone shook hands and agreed on stories before they went to the police station. Ash makes (laughs) them promise that control is gone forever. 
good because again this is a thing that is happening in the past so we know that that's not a thing so i guess it's good and then what is the bow number one here uh you can never speak of discovery again under penalty of treason ever you cannot speak about (laughs) anyone that ever served on the discovery you can never speak of it to anyone in starfleet or in the universe ever again we're we're like deleting all the records. We're tying the, up all the, the discovery loose ends. has been expunged from existence. Our show is being canceled. We're never talking about it. Spock will never speak to even the most important people in his life about his sister. About his, his sister. He won't even he talk won't speak to, to Sarah. His parents. About yeah, he it, won't yeah. have a moment with Sarah. Parents won't bring it up either. Mm-hmm. Under penalty of treason. What a show. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous dude i mean you knew there were going to be problems like this right like this is it, setting a show in the past of an established universe is going to have problems right there's just no way around it these were the problems especially when these are established characters who we go to see a lot more of right yep this is their attempt to put a bow on it at least they tried they tried yeah right they could have just done nothing they could have done nothing and we just assume that kirk and spock talk about burnham when we don't see them off camera right it's always off camera just just luckily yeah as soon as that door opens all of a sudden they change the subject yeah um yeah it's man (laughs) i don't know what to do you just think whatever they tried right this is a better attempt at this than a lot of their other attempts in the rest of the show. So, okay, I guess. I. It only leaves the idea that we could get Jason Isaacs back in my mind as, like, sad that we can't. Because now they're in the future. I mean, they dropped Jason Isaacs into a son in the Terran universe, dude. He's gone. I know, but what about the and other the one? the real one was killed... By the Terran one, right? Wasn't that the whole thing? Yeah. Well, they don't. They don't say that. They don't say that. Anyway, he's not coming back, Andrew. I know you like Lorca. He's gone. Lorca, man, what a good captain. Just like this ship and maybe this show, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, not because we know there's a season three coming, but we do know. Yeah. Uh, also, I liked uh, the the very final scene of like Spock over narrating as like you know. You get the shot. Oh, yeah. That was what we needed to talk about last, right? Was they're on the Enterprise. And he's like, it's been 100 days or whatever. And it's hard to wait or whatever, waiting for the signal from Burnham. Right? Yeah. But he believes. He believes that even if the signal doesn't come, that she made it. He chooses to believe that. He knows it's not logical. But if the signal right. doesn't come, he still knows that she's out there in the future. And then it's bas- this is basically the intro to Strange New Worlds, right? They're all. It feels like it, right? He shaves. He cuts his hair like Spock. He ends up on the bridge with a uniform he put, on. He, he puts on the blue uniform, uh-huh. right? and they're on the bridge, and we get the idea: Hey, this was the intro for Strange New Worlds. What you just watched these last two seasons. And so, you know, so I wonder, right? You know, so and that's the end of the the. End uh, of the well, the end of the show is the seventh signal shows up. 
in the beta right, quadrant. Right. And Pike says, hit it. Uh, you know, it's a, uh, the signal, sh- but it's like too far for them to get to. Right. right. Cause the beta quadrant's really far away. Right. And Spock's like, you know, they're both trying not to smile at each other because they're forbidden from ever speaking of it again. Remember? Yeah. So they can't go check out the signal. They have to and, just. And Spock's like, I, I will look at the analysis. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't worry about it. I'll re- I'll read it or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to this Sci- other moon. <laughs> I'll science it. Yeah. Let's yeah. go to the moon. Cool. Yeah. Um, I wonder now, I, you know, I, I'm thinking back about the time uh, when the first season of discovery came out and the second season were, were new. Right. Cause this has been, it's been a few years since then, right? Two or three years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Now I remember again, just from like, you know, taking the temperature and stuff of, of people online and, you know, reading stuff. I feel like people were pretty down on Discovery season one when it conclu- until the end when it, things got crazy, right? I absolutely agree with you. I think that Discovery was generally unpopular season one. In fact, the Orville got better reviews. And I think season two had a similar arc where it started and people kind of didn't like it. And then maybe by the end, it kind of was okay. But if you look at what happened at the end of season one, I think they went into season two thinking there was never going to be Discovery season three. I think and their plan they're... was just to write off Discovery and do Strange New Worlds. Like, that was the plan, I think. Like, we're going to do the, the Pike and Spock and number one show. We're going to write Discovery off into the future because it's not popular. To me, there's a very clear delineation here that sometime in the middle of season two, CBS All Access looked at their numbers and said, people are only watching Star Trek. Maybe, yeah. We need all of it on. And I don't know when season three got announced or that they were going to they were going to do it. I I feel like. I didn't hear about them doing a season three of discovery until like last year, but also I can't claim to have been like watching super close. So it could be wrong, but that means they like took a good couple years off, you know? Uh, I don't think they took a year. They didn't take a year off. Did they? Did they? I was it. Am I that close to Uh, season two ended? Oh boy. Now we have to look up stuff. I thought it was 2018. When did season two of Discovery end? Um, This Hollywood Reporter article is from... What's the date? 2019, April. April 2019. Okay. I guess I thought it was farther back than that. So that's a year and a half break, but you've got the pandemic in there slowing things down. Right. Yeah. That obviously being a situation. Okay. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Star Trek Discovery season two started airing in January, 2019. So, you know, them doing a season three in the end of 2020, you know, assuming they still are able to do that because of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, 
is not unreasonable. I think a lot of Discovery suffers from trying to be a premium show. It's an expensive show to have done. I mean, certainly there's a ton of sets. There's a ton of special effects. There's like a pretty sizable amount of cast, right? Yeah. There's a ton of people. There's a ton of sets. There's a ton of everything. I can't. And I mean, you know, they have to keep building new ones, right? Like they have to build the set for the Klingon ship. They have to make a set for the weird Section 31 ship, although like maybe we can kind of reuse the one we built for Leland or whatever. Yeah. The, you know, they're building sets for the crazy engine thing. They're building weird light up props for time crystals. They have to build a suit for Burnham. They have to build a shuttle set for Spock. They have to, you know, all this stuff is like, it's expensive, dude. It can't be cheap. No, and they've done it for 14 episodes, two seasons in a row. I imagine that some of the direction for season three is to cut cost, for sure. And I think, you know, maybe I'm I'm wrong about this, but what if you do that by not, <laughs> not constantly in... You know, you do that by setting it in the like the way that Enterprise and DS9 and TNG and the original series all did it by having one ship and doing a monster of the week kind of thing, right? I was just about to ask, do you think they're headed that direction? Because they've seen I want them to because that's good. (laughs) They have seemed to struggle with this for two seasons. We've talked about this. They've struggled with this for two seasons. What Mm -hmm. show do we want to be? And they kept falling on to being narratively driven. But every time they became narratively driven, they they smashed everything they needed to fit into a couple episodes instead of spreading it out like you would normally do on a show where you know you need to be at A at the beginning and at B at the end. And it seemed like I mean, they look, knew at this point. A and they did three episodes of A. They knew B. They did three episodes of B. And the other stuff kind of meanders in the middle. Yep. I, you know, at this point, I just assume they're going to continue that because they like it it feels like something they just can't not do. Right. Yeah. Like they spend 80 percent of their budget on the six episodes at the beginning and the end. And then they're like, well, you guys got 14, you know, and they're like, oh, shoot, we have eight more. Um, (laughs) Who guys, what can we do on the cheap? Like, yeah, what if we wandered around the desert for a few days? Yeah. How about we do? Jeez, man, it's like that last episode or one of the end episodes of Picard where you're just like, everyone's split up wandering around the desert. That's um, <laughs> true. <laughs> you know, it, I don't know, obviously, what they're going to do. I've read nothing about season three. I'm not going to read anything about it. I don't think it, that I'm we're sure. served but by like, reading about it. I don't want to know. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I, I don't know. I wish they would. <laughs> But I can't have any faith that they will. The nothing that they've done up to now has led me to believe they are like figuring it out. I will say I end up ended up liking season two better than the beginning of season one, but not better than the end of season one. I think my enjoyment in the end of season two is not as high as my enjoyment in the end of season one. But I don't yes. know if that's because of the potential of Giorgio. Which mm-hmm. I think she sold every second that she was on the screen, and it was fantastic. Yeah, and the made me emperor, emperor, quote unquote, emperor Giorgio coming back 
was so good. That whole arc was amazing. I don't think this show would be good without Emperor Jojo coming back into it and and alleviating a lot of the tension, making a lot of the plot points better because she's got the character ability to just step in and be like, oh, tell us four. Yeah, we blew that place up in my universe. She also has the like, I don't know, almost outside perspective from Starfleet, right? She can act as the alien race that's like, I know the solution to this. Let's kill these guys. Yeah. But she has and, that ability to step into a uh, a moment in Star Trek and change it because right. she's an outsider, right? Yeah. Um I I I really want a show of her. I really do because that was the potential I, at the end of season 1. I think the thing I it, do you want a show where she's the main character? Do you actually want that? Maybe not. Maybe yeah. maybe her being in the future with Burnham, she has to be in every episode until something changes, right? Right. It's it, this is what I'm thinking, right? Like, I want the Section Thirty One show with Michelle Yeoh in it. Do I want her to be the main character in that show, or is like the main character going to be Ash, the head of Section Thirty One? And she's the like person who can come into the scene and say like, let's kill everyone. Right. Yeah. And he's like, we can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Good questions. All good questions. I end. I end interested in season three. I end liking. I end liking having had Spock on the show. It was something I was worried about. Yeah, I agree. I think that the way and actually more of the scenes with Spock worked than didn't. Right. Absolutely. I, even though he's like barely in the first five episodes or whatever. I think more often than not, when Spock is part of the episode, it's better than when he's not. Yeah. So I, I think like, I'll, you know, I guess at that point where you're like the majority of the episodes, this character in end up being good. That's like a pretty good measure of his effect on the show. Right. So you definitely, there are some characters who I could say they de- made the show worse by being there. So. And it sucks because a lot of them are Discovery crew. And, I know. And it ends up being the thing where Strange New Worlds crew got a real boost in my mind of being, I'm excited for that show. Yeah. But they've all absolutely. left to go to that show. They're not on Discovery anymore. And it's a bummer, too, because like there's several characters on the Discovery crew that I still like that are still there. Absolutely. Right? I, I still like Tilly, even though she's annoying. I still like Burnham. I still like Saru even in a lot of cases. I I still think they shouldn't have brought back you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because I like statements. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe now that all the other people are gone, they'll actually give them a chance. I'm not hopeful for that, but you never know. Right. I like Stamus as a character. I don't know that I know or think much about Hugh's character at all because I sort of think he shouldn't be there. He was dead for but a while. Like why? He was dead. Yeah. What should I worry about him? And now that he's back, like maybe they'll give him a chance to have actual character. I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll have to see. I, I originally liked Stamus a lot and Hugh not as much. Maybe I will get the chance to like both those characters more going forward. We'll see. 
but I think that you're right. There are like a but like a lot of the other bridge crew and stuff that are on there, right? Who are like take them or leave them, you know? Like eh. Because again, they did a terrible job of telling you who anyone on the Discovery was. Yeah, and that's a crime against them. Absolutely, uh, the, the you writing. Know, like, you know, like there's there's a chance for Uwu to be a character. There's a chance. The, uh, I mean, Pike yeah, who, Pike who, gives a speech to lady, all of them. Um, yeah. You know, hey, woman, that is the person that was the android character, but stepped in for the android character. Right. You did a good job stepping in for the android character. I can't remember her. See, I don't Me know either, any of their names. I don't know the. I don't know the name of the lady with the like eyepiece thing. I don't. Why? Why is it that? Why don't like, I know? She has more speaking lines, or at least almost as many speaking lines as Owu does, and I can remember her name, but I can't remember the other ones. Yeah. It's, it's a, terrible. It's I, not good, right? Because it, and, it's just you know, it's funny because you end up knowing more of the Enterprise crew than the Discovery crew by the end of this. I know number one. Well, you don't know her name, but they call her number one. You know their security officer because she becomes the Enterprise's or the Discovery security officer. Although, wait, she goes to the future, right? She's in the future now. Okay, never mind. <laughs> All right, I take it back. <laughs> but like, that's it's crazy that they spend more time developing those characters and telling you their name and stuff than they do about the ones on the actual Discovery who we've been with for two seasons. Yeah, I can still not tell you the tactical officer's name on the bridge. No, me either. Like, Lorca would just point at people and say, like, do this. He wouldn't use a name. Yeah. It, like, Pike was better about it, but he would say, like, you know, Lieutenant so-and-so or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you, to memorize their names, though, you'd have to go back and watch his little round table at the beginning of season two where he named everybody. And that's it, right? And, and that's they the, never used their full name. I thought that was going to be the thing where we were like, okay, cool. The bridge crew's going to have time on screen. And it's like they still have time when they're on the bridge. But really, Tilly's more important than the entire bridge crew. Yes. Yeah. Right? And like, fine. If you want to make the show that way, you can have an ensign be the important one or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Lower Not decks. a problem, right? Yeah. The, yeah, they made that show. It's the Lower Decks. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that one day, not today. Oh, there's a. Um, did you watch the most recent episode? No. Uh, there's a. There's a Captain Pike chair reference. Great. Great. Yep. Great, great, great. <laughs> great. I will tell you uh, look, man, I, I have enjoyed some of the Lower Decks that I've watched. I have not hated any of them. Right. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about it next them. time. But we'll talk about it sometime. Yeah, we have that to talk about and the Picard book to talk about next time. But I think two hours on three episodes of Discovery is probably about as much. These were the most bonkers three episodes we've ever seen. I have never seen Star Trek this crazy and frenetic. And again, like, you know, we kind of harped on it the whole time, but it doesn't help. Like, it's not. I don't think it helps them to be like this. It's weird because what you really come for is everyone in the world knows TNG and the pace of TNG is not this. And it's not the same show. I don't want people to think it is the same show, but especially that space battle does not, it's not serving the spirit of the show of the, the, the shows in large. 
I think the thing I come to these shows for is drama, not action. Right. And they have somehow twisted that around and they're like, we need to show you a Marvel movie every week instead of showing you like some dramatic scenes. So there's an article going around. the opposite of what I want. There's an article going around of it's called, I think it's called the problem with prestige TV or something like that. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think it's called um, Americans and the problem with prestige television. And essentially comes down to, uh, and there was an article, it's related to the series Cobra Kai that just came out um, on Netflix because it was a YouTube show. Mm-hmm. And a show that probably doesn't need to be the quality of prestige television. And I would argue is not the quality of prestige television, but looks almost like it. The article then goes on to explain like everyone believes they have to make, like you just said, a Marvel movie every week for people to come watch it. And so you have every single place trying to make these television shows that are amped to 11 on all things at all times with the most beautiful side, like camera Everything work is the and most, the most every, you know, the, they have these shots where they're spinning around the room in this crazy way. They have these cool effects that are just like unbelievable to see. They have like this cast that's so diverse and huge and they have every scene has everything and it's exploding all the time and people are fighting, but also there's tension and, dr- and drama and all this stuff. And like, I, I get the problem, right? Like, not every show has to be Game of Thrones. Not every show has to be like the must-watch show. Well, and it's going to end up being bad for the business in the long run. It should run. be. It right? should be because like these, you know, obviously these shows are fantastically expensive to make. They have to be in order to to have all these like ends, you know, all these very like, you know, that you could people can shoot movies on the cheap, right? Like that's a thing that gets done sometimes. Yeah. But you can tell when they shoot a movie on the cheap. Yeah. Right? You know, though, yes and no. I would I would say people that are listening to this should try out the Amazon series Tales from the Loop. Okay. That is exactly what we're talking about here. It's a it looks great. It looks fantastic because it takes a lot of its art reference from a comic book. And in a comic book that was hand illustrated, like illustrated to be art, not to be comics. Okay. It looks good. It looks great. There is CGI in it. But at most points in time, the show is focused on the, in- the episode that it's on, the story that it's telling in that episode, which is somewhat tangentially related to the larger universe in this one season of shows, right? It builds a few pieces at a time and culminates in something that is not what we've seen here, which is the biggest problem. Nothing about that show is the end of the universe. It's only the end of the universe to the four characters that you care about. 
which like is a acceptable and good goal in a show, right? right? Like, but now we've watched three... lives ending is a big problem we've, for the characters. We've talked about three seasons of Star Trek, Picard and Discovery for two seasons. And every single time we've mounted this assault on the fate of the universe. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm it, exhausted. Yeah. It doesn't need to be like that. And remember, you know, in even in TNG and which we love frequently the episodes, even the big final ending episodes had nothing to do with the fate of the universe. Yeah. Right. It's like, if we mess this up, the Romulans and the Klingons are going to go to war. Yep. It's not even us. Yeah. It's them. We didn't have to worry about time crystals and all this stuff. And there are very famous episodes of those show where they do have to worry about time stuff. And there are famous episodes where the Borg invade, right? Yeah. Very famous episodes. Because, because they episode. stand and in out. In fact, the majority, the majority are the opposite of that. And that's good. It makes otherwise yeah. the big ones don't stand out. Right. Right. You remember that episode where he becomes Locutus because it was the biggest thing to happen on that show in four seasons. Yeah, it became the cover of tons of magazines because it was the cliffhanger, right, of like, right? oh my god, this show, which normally is this cool, episodic, weekly, you know, exploration of the human character has turned on its head and the main character has become the, the direst the evil bad in the universe. Yeah, oh my gosh, oh my how gosh. are they going to solve this? Can they solve it? And they solve it in one episode. And then it's back to the thing. But it's okay because you use that time to then build over this course of seven years, this identity of Picard is very affected by his time as the Borg. And that's cool. And yes. I understand they're not making that show. They're not making that show. That's fine. But we've got to stop with the... the you know, the, the end of the universe. The thing can be a, a stake for the character... You know, it doesn't need to be the stakes that literally the universe ends, right? The stakes can be, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of stuff from this season, so we're not actually spoiling anything. But, like, you know, the stakes can be that Burnham's mom is going to die. The stakes can be just getting Burnham's mom back and then realizing. that's that can be the whole show. That's enough. Realizing, no, we can't get her back, and then I'm going to go to the future and, you know. Yeah. And... You know, of course, it changes so many other things, but like that's the stakes like that can be the thing. I didn't even they mind actually the stakes. Be. The stakes of this season, I didn't mind as much as Picard. The stakes yeah, of Picard this season almost makes sense. And in the ending of having this control thing, I actually, if I take the season as a whole, I like it in terms of its goals and while I would change a lot of ways that they did things and got places and wouldn't have time crystals mm-hmm. and wouldn't have the gigantic think- epic space battle at the end, the idea that at some point in the past, Section 31 managed some sort of computer to try and make things better in the Federation and it didn't go well and it went rampant and they had to, you know, like, fix it yeah. is, is a good idea. And then, like, you know, the the whole, like, you know, that arc is a good arc. You could make a, a season out of that, right? Yeah. You could make an arc out of Burnham's mom is actually coming back from the future and like leading them to something. And there's a whole mystery there and that's cool. Seven signals and all this stuff. That's sure. cool. You could make an arc out of that. They don't both need to be the same arc. 
it's like it, they're trying to do too much in a lot of cases right yeah. that's how it feels but okay well season three starts soon <laughs> yeah it does and I, I you know lower decks is ongoing um and i i don't know when strange new worlds is supposed to start but not they haven't started soon, filming yet right okay yeah so that's a next year or later thing mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if um, Discovery's only on until Strange New Worlds. Mm. You think that they run um, Discovery Season 3 and then call it? It's possible. I guess maybe it depends on how uh, popular Strange New Worlds ends up being, right? Or how popular Season 3 of Discovery is here could be a big thing. I don't know that the time jump is going to keep a lot of people around. Yeah, we'll see. I, yeah, we will. We will have to find out, right? Because now I think I don't remember what year they said they were going to, but I thought my memory of it was like it's past the end of like the Dominion War and all that stuff, right? <laughs> One of the funny things is, uh, Strange New Worlds is now the longest pilot to series pickup ever. Oh, like if this was the pilot for Strange New No, World? because the pilot would be the cage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to end on a negative note. There's a lot to like in season two of Discovery. Yeah. But yeah. man, unlike a lot of other Star Trek, you really have to flip off your brain. So it's a definitely yeah, a mixed bag. Yeah. I think that's the my end on it is like I'm... I both liked parts of it and didn't like other parts. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta know where you come down on that schedule yep. on that. Uh, I think, you know, it, you know, it, the, the barometer for season two is how much did you like season one? If you liked season one quite a bit, then yeah, go ahead and watch season two. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. If you, if you had real serious problems with season one and like kind of dragged yourself all the way through to the end, maybe, you know, yeah, it's more of the same on this show. Maybe you're good on this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you have comments, you didn't like it as much as us. You liked it way more and we missed some stuff. Where would that be? Send those to podcast at wewergamers.com and you could tell us that you're talking about a subspace transmission or Star Trek or something at the top there so that we know. Yeah. Uh, and please, we would love to hear if there's like details and stuff that we missed because I, it's very, very likely. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're watching Lower Decks, send us a thing. We'll talk about yeah, it next time. Yeah, I want to know. We will talk about Lower Decks. We are watching it. So, yep. yeah. Uh, you know, subscribe to this podcast on uh, Spotify and Stitcher and Apple and Google Podcasts. Ooh, and I hope soon Amazon, which has now launched podcasts in their what? music app. So we'll see uh, how that goes. Yeah, man. Amazon, get us in there. Yeah. Um, also, hey, uh, we're on YouTube. Search out that YouTube. Search for We Were Gamers. Hit subscribe. Get that little bell to get notified when our videos go up. You can even subscribe to the sub pods only. Yeah, you can look at the playlists and just be like, oh, did a new subspace transmission come out? Heck yeah, Mm -hmm. I can listen to that. There you go. Until then, uh, hit it. That's what they're calling the thing that the tacos are doing in baseball. They're calling the tacos like killing of all their players the sacrifice.
Yes. What if this version, this season, the idols have something different happen to them and we don't know it, but the tacos found somehow found out? Uh. Or is it always going to be this way? All the idols are always getting shelled. Who knows, dude? I think it will be hilarious if all the tacos pitchers end up shelled. I wonder if they just auto lose all their games. I mean, I would think that that's what would happen, right? You can't pitch if you're in a peanut. Right. I'm glad I started up again this season. Um, I was down on having lost all that money, but they made it come back fast enough that you really don't have to do much to earn that much money. Yeah, that's the real thing. You know, like I'm going here and I'm placing like bets on every team that's more than 50%. Yeah, basically you just max bet every team that's 55%, Mm -hmm. which is funny because if you see a team that's like 70% usually... In real yep. betting, you would think uh, the opportunity cost of betting. Yeah, you, it's too much. to. You don't win enough. You don't win enough to bet favorite. on a high percentage of victory. Right. But when you can bet a game every hour, it becomes just a set of numbers. Right? Yeah, it's and like, it's, how much attention are you paying, really? It's like, I, I log on here like twice a day. I'm not, <laughs> you know. <laughs> sure, but at the same time, if you're spending twice a day betting 20 games a day five days a week that's 100 games oh yeah you can rack up the coins man yeah but the percentages then matter right but in real life oh yeah you don't have enough money to bet every football game right and even if you did you wouldn't want to because you know like some of the games it's not it doesn't make any sense to bet on ones where it's like oh the patriots are playing the (laughs) Like, the Jets, who's going to win that game? Gee, I wonder. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the Jets are 20% favorites. It's like, well, look, man. I can't bet them even though I should bet them. And then in real life, the betting precludes you from taking the the Patriots, I guess, in that scenario because you would, you would in theory, not have enough gain. Right. Oh, man. 